This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett here as uh, our special decade edition of the show as we wrap up 2010. But we do want to talk some basketball as Nebraska got a win. Uh, Kind of a much-needed slump-buster type of game. Um, And that's kind of why everyone's scheduling these games now over the holiday. Uh, Nebraska beats Texas A&M Corpus Christi 73-52 and um, you know, I saw Creighton the other night was playing Midland, mm-hmm. and somehow that game in in, in AIA program in Fremont that game was on FS1. <laughs> just shows shows the uh, quality of games going on over Christmas break. But you know, Nebraska gets the win. Was that it? Wasn't a BTN game? It was probably a BTN.com game, or no? I think it actually it was BTN because they flexed it from. Uh, it was the 1 p.m. time slot because there's only two Big Ten games that day. It was Northwestern and Nebraska, and they paired Northwestern around the Chicago Bears kickoff uh, when that when the NFL schedule came out. So it's so funny they worry about that. I well, mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, there's enough people in Chicago that want to watch Northwestern. I don't know games. how many people are going to be watching Northwestern games whenever they play it. But. And the, with the Bears <laughs> on the schedule, but um, Nebraska gets a win. I mean, they didn't play great. I was at the game. Uh, you got in from Iowa and made it right at tip-off, and there were some moments that stood out, but definitely a sloppy win, and they kind of were the more athletic team, um, and, and they used that to, to get a win really in an ugly fashion. Well, I guess the one silver lining is it was the first time this season where they won a game they were supposed to win and did so even when things weren't all clicking at once. I mean, obviously offense was like pulling teeth all day long, but – you know, Nebraska actually found different ways to win. First and foremost, they played one of their best defensive efforts of the season, forced, what, 24 turnovers, uh, 15 steals, uh, held a, a season-low point total. Uh, and so, I mean, really, the effort they put in on the defensive end of the floor was what not only won them the game but allowed them to control the game throughout even when they were shooting you know, barely over 30% from the field. so I, And they got to the free throw line a lot. Uh, and so I think that's encouraging in the sense that, you know, compared to what happened earlier in this year, especially the first couple games, you know, when, when things aren't going right, now they're finally finding ways to, to overcome it. And um, you know, maybe one of the more important things that just doesn't show up in the box score is just look at the body language of these guys. I mean, they were, you know, encouraging each other, high-fiving, uh, you know, picking each other up when, when a guy fell down on the floor. All the things they weren't doing a week ago uh, in that North Dakota loss when it was just a total disaster from start to finish, uh, I think that was the clear message over Christmas break was, you know, we need we need to become a team. Uh, I know that's been kind of an ongoing process, but there are things you can do like that that can make a huge progress where when things aren't going your way to develop that resiliency and lean on each other and support each other, you finally saw that in that Corpus Christi game. So, again, yeah, nothing to write home about, but Nebraska did what it needed to do, and it showed some some progress and some things that were severely lacking earlier in the year. Now it's on to the Big Ten again. Uh, Nebraska's 1-1 in the conference. Everybody's 1-1, right? I don't think a single uh, road team won in the early two, right? I think Michigan State. Oh, they – they beat Northwestern. They played that game a lot later. Yeah, it was, um, it was the last one that was going to make it a perfect one-on-one slate. And Northwestern was like, they had a chance to win it in the final minute. So it was a near one-on-one sweep for the first time as that I can remember. And if you're Tom Izzo, that was probably perfect to like use as motivation. Like, no one's done this. Let's do it. And it's a huge advantage if you can get off of that 2-0 and start. Nebraska's where everyone else is at. And, you know, if I would have told you one-on-one back in the summer – 
with Rutgers and Iowa coming to Lincoln, you're like, you know what, this is a great opportunity for a good start. But both Rutgers and Iowa playing good basketball. Mm-hmm. Rutgers comes in. This is, a, I believe, this will be the first conference Friday night game in PBA. Mm. They have they, they've played a lot of Saturday Sunday, obviously, but they have not played a conference Friday night game. Wow. Yeah. How do you not know that? I don't know. That <laughs> just doesn't immediately. I'm a season my ticket holder, so I I know these. Yeah, they they all blur together. Now they've played they played like non conference Friday night games, but the big the 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 Big Ten Friday night package is relatively newer. Um, no students in town, but I would think we'll get a good atmosphere. There were still ten thousand four hundred for the A and M Corpus yeah, Christi. It was actually a really good crowd for. I mean, it, it being on the tail end of Christmas with break. a terrible winter storm. Yeah, yeah, and that impacted a lot of travel too. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a good crowd, and I think the fact that they they won. I mean, that's what made that Corpus Christi game so important. That they had to get some good vibes going. I mean, that North Dakota game was such a gut punch because it came on the heels of them playing so well in those two Big Ten games, you know, going to Indiana and almost winning in overtime. Then less than 48 hours later, whipping Purdue, uh, you know, for them to take that big of a step back was really discouraging for everyone involved, fans included. And so they needed to come out. And, you know, granted, they didn't play great, but they played well enough. And they did what they were supposed to do. And now, you know, you're 6-7, and seven, you're 1-1 one and one in Big Ten play, and you got two straight home games and an actual favorable start to January, uh, which Nebraska hasn't had in a long time. So, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, you know, Rutgers doesn't do much for you, but, you know, they're – they're better than people think. They're they're better than uh, what the typical Rutgers team is. They've already beaten Wisconsin. They've beaten Seton Hall. Uh, they gave Michigan State all they could handle. So, I mean, this is a Rutgers team that is by far no slouch, and that's going to be the theme of these next 18 games is there are no nights off. And you say that, you know, every year, but I think it's especially this year where top to bottom, this conference has, is as deep as we've seen it. Uh, they might not have the clear elite national champion front runner. Uh, but they have four or five teams that can make legitimate cases to, to be Final Four teams. Sweet 16 type yeah, teams. When, when all is said and done. Uh, and then, you know, the, the worst team in the league right now, most people would say either Nebraska or uh, Northwestern. And Nebraska already beat Purdue. They almost beat Indiana. Northwestern almost beat Michigan State. So th- this is going to be a 18-game grind in every sense. And for a team like Nebraska that has been so volatile with their ups and downs and inconsistency, the biggest test, I think, over the next two months is can they stabilize and play consistent basketball, consistent good basketball, and just be be a competitive team night in, night out. And Gervais Green, I know a lot of us were critical after North Dakota, just his body language, but it, it looked like he kind of hit the reset button, came back with good body language. Yeah, that was definitely, and, and, you know, when I talk about that body language, I think he, he in particular uh, stood out. I mean, he was a mess in that North Dakota game. I mean, just like openly bawling on the bench and uh, you know, visibly frustrated when he wasn't getting the ball. I think the whole arena was like that when they lost yeah. that game. Yeah, and so, you know, it's uh, for him to b- respond the way that he did is definitely good to see. Um, you know, obviously he's still not starting. Uh, hasn't started since being suspended before the Indiana game. Uh, but you know he's. I think he's trying to make his the best of his situation. And the thing is, it's easy to be you know upbeat and positive when you're winning. But so what happens when you know Nebraska's down double digits in, in Big Ten play somewhere, and Gervais only shot the ball three times? And that's that's the next step. Uh, will he be able to maintain that positivity and um, not let his emotions get the best of him like he did in that North Dakota game? And you know he did similar stuff in the Creighton game as well that I I, I saw firsthand. So. Um, a step in the right directions for sure, but 
Um, you know, I think he's, he's still got to show that he can be that type of guy um, every night, even if, you know, the, the stats aren't coming for him. And a lot's happened in recruiting. Obviously, we talked about Teddy Allen coming home to Nebraska. Um, but a couple of things to keep your eyes on here as well, right, Robin? Yeah, they had an official visitor, uh, another junior college, um, redshirt sophomore, uh, Latin Mayen, M-A-Y-E-N. He's a 6'9", 200-ish, 210 uh Forward, he's listed as a power forward, but he's not a power forward. He's a, he's a stretch four who's shooting forty three percent from three point range, and so the kind of perfect versatile inside out uh, type of big that Fred Hoiberg loves. Uh, he was in town, and uh, you know I think things went very very well there. To where um, I would not be surprising if Nebraska was able to add him as a commitment. They still have two open scholarships following the decommitment of Donovan Williams and the the departure of Samari Curtis. So they have. Um, you know, spots to work with. And when you take into account that they have um, Ivan Wade Rogo and Derek Walker coming back next year, there's not as pressing of a need for that big body center. So when you get a six, nine guy that can shoot 43% from three, uh, you know, that's kind of the perfect complement to what they're missing uh, looking ahead to next year's roster. So I'll kind of stay tuned on that, but certainly uh, it looks good right now. All right. When we come back, uh, Mike Wheeler is going to join us for his final show um, in the mailbag. We had a nice lunch with Mike as well. So we'll we'll send Mike away here next in his final uh, show with us here as an intern at Husker line. You're listening to the Husker line show. 